three, two, one. Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. We recently joined as a member and you can too. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. Don't forget to add the two-on-one podcast in the how did you hear about Podgo section of your application. Now get ready for the rest of the episode. Daniel, did you know 17 different NHL general managers received votes for the Jim Gregory Award the last two years? And Kyle Dubas did not receive a single vote. Oh, no. I just, I I, I thought you might want to know that. I'm surprised, you know, like, who who wrote that? Like, I don't know. I I can't tell you. Who could write that? I I don't know. I feel like someone hacked into someone's Twitter account. I don't know. I just thought you might want to know because it's very useful uh, information to to throw out uh, nowhere um, in any conversation that you'd ever have. Um, What did we learn before? Did it have news value? No, no. Then then don't don't publish it. The answer is no. Um, Again, it's just Daniel and I. Um, Adam's, he'll be back eventually. Yeah. He's probably listening to the episode. He's probably though. listening. So I guess we should say hi to him. Hi, Adam. <laughs> um, there is a lot to go through, but let's start with some uh, of the staff signing so far. Obviously, this afternoon, we learned that the Arizona Coyotes uh, have brought in Bill Armstrong, uh, from St. Louis, who was the assistant general manager. It feels like a, this is another guy who's going to be leaving St. Louis. I'm just pointing it out. They're bleeding everywhere. Management, <laughs> players, everywhere. Um, I mean, he a couple of days ago, they said he was a finalist. So this doesn't really uh, come as a surprise to me. I was very disappointed to not see Pierre Maguire, obviously. I know that have been the story of the year. I think Pierre returns on a larger platform. Why no? Let's not give no? him. That. Okay. Let's not give him. <laughs> Please. Uh, what do you think? I mean, we've talked about Bill Bill Armstrong before. Obviously, he was uh, a finalist for the Panthers' general manager job as well before they brought in Bill Zito. What do you think of Arizona bringing this guy in? I'm not really surprised. I know that they had the same kind of pool of candidates when it came to this GM position. Um, Bill Armstrong, he's a you know known name, and I think that's what Arizona needs to go for right now is consistency, and I guess like reliability at this point. Um, not really sure what he's kind of bring to the team, like um, whether he's you no know, like one side analytics or one side like just pure evaluation. But I think it's definitely a guy that's well-known, someone that could bring some stability to this team that's just, you know, story after story that we've talked about. It's just, this is, you know, a good silver lining for them. Yeah, they really need someone to stabilize them and take them out of being a dumpster fire like they've been for... Like, I don't want to compare them to this team because I feel bad for the other team in comparing them, but they're 
in a weird situation and like they're trying to rebuild, but they think they're ahead of schedule, like the Minnesota Wild, who have been in the middle for the last I, I, how many years? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, listen, he has one job to do right now, uh, and apparently they've already received an offer about this player. Now, we talked to him last episode in Darcy Kemper. Um, apparently, they've received a deal um, for a late teens or 20s uh, first round pick. And bad. like they're looking, they're looking for a first round pick. Um, I will see. We'll see. Let me pull up cap friendly right now. Let's see who is in that area. I know the two teams that stood out the most when I first heard that were obviously Calgary and Edmonton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that'd be a good idea for them to kind of get back into the first round, especially like when we've talked before about, I guess, how deep this draft is compared to like previous years. Um, you know, I to be honest, they didn't get burned as much as I thought they would with that Taylor Hall trade. I think, what, they gave up 18th overall to the Devils? Yes, 18th so, overall to the Devils uh, and three prospects. I guess. Yeah, I remember when we were thinking, like, man, they just gave up a lottery pick for, like, the rental of Taylor Hall. And I guess, you know, they've been kind of, you know, they eased up a bit on that by making it out of the play-in round. But, yeah, like, if they would want to get back, that'd be a significant addition to what they're kind of trying to do. And for someone like Darcy Kemper, what I kind of feel is he's kind of like Oliver Ekman Larson. Like, you get rid of those two guys, and I think the flood, that's when the floodgates open of a full scale rebuild at that point. Like they, those two guys are the only ones I could really see as like, they are the consistent faces of that team. And, and yeah. Yeah. And then well, we, we've been talking about Clayton Keller for how long and you sign into a contract like that. And I mean, you can chalk it up to a sophomore slump, which I mean, listen, players go through all the time. I mean, Clayton Keller isn't I mean they're not going to trade Clay and Keller obviously I think there's a mm-hmm. couple guys that they're looking to build around but I think next year is a is a really important year for Clay and Keller to prove that he deserved that seven million dollar contract for sure in my opinion I still think they jump the gun on that when you look at where a lot of players were getting like those massive extensions or you know those quote unquote bridge deals um, he's the kind of guy that. I really felt that they gave him the big money way too early. And it's, with the exception of that one year, I don't think he's proven himself just yet. Uh, it feels like they, it feels like they gave out the money. Like they, they gave him the, the term and the, the dollars. So they didn't have to worry about it come the summer. If he had a really good season, mm-hmm. that's, Reminds that's what a, it feels like to me. Yeah. Remind me of the Nico Hishier deal, to be honest. Like, they know they like devils are keep talking like you know underlying numbers he's gonna break out but like it's the same thing too like they really gave him the big money right away yeah uh, so I pulled up here I have some of the teams that uh, have late teens or mid teens to low twenties uh, picks well Edmonton's fourteenth that's a team that's looking for a goalie I mean the next two uh, Toronto. Uh, Listen, Toronto could give up that pick 
to to get Darcy Kemper, but then it's all but then friend uh, yeah. Jesus Anderson is all but gone at that point. Um, Montreal, no. Chicago, no. Chicago's all but signed um, Corey Crawford. New Jersey, they have Mackenzie Blackwood and six million dollars of Corey Schneider somewhere. Yeah. Calgary, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. New Jersey again. Columbus, no. They're looking to get rid of a goalie, apparently. Um, New York has three goalies. Philly has Carter Hart. Colorado at 24. That I don't know. Like If they could package that 24th pick with like a prospect, then maybe they could it, get something done there. It really could work because when they, remember when they got eliminated, the discussion that we had was – is our Grubauer and Fransu's good enough? I don't think they are. For the quality of that offense and the way that defense is kind of shaping up now, I don't think yeah. they could move forward with that tandem. And then the rest of them are a little too high to even uh, consider. So I, I think it comes down to Calgary, Edmonton, and Colorado who um, could potentially make this deal. I'm just like even thinking about it too. Like even if they don't get into the first round, like the amount of players that Colorado has coming up that they could kind of swing to the Coyotes way is just, you know, I would take that even if it wasn't a first round pick. Like I know Alex Newhook is pretty, you know, he he's pretty um, recent in their development, but I could see that or even a Martin Kaut, something like that where it's a forward they could afford to lose. Yeah. Um, and let's move on from Arizona. Another team that has brought in a new coach, Peter Laviolette, uh, officially signs with the Washington Capitals at three years, just under $15 million in total. What do you think of Peter Laviolette? I didn't see this coming, to be honest. Um, I remember seeing some really funny tweets about this where the last time the Capitals got a former uh, Preds coach, it worked out pretty well for them. So uh, they fully support this. But to be honest, I think it's just too much. I think of the hype and the stories that the potential stories that could be involved. I really thought Mike Babcock was going to the Washington Capitals. That that would have been really (laughs) Really interesting considering him and Ovi. I think they're, they would most definitely butt heads. Uh, no question. No questions asked. They would most definitely butt heads. Um, a, another thing coming out of Washington is it's pretty much confirmed that Braden Holtby is on his way out. Um, their GM, obviously, in an interview said that they, they're expecting Holtby to test free agency. I'm not surprised, to be honest. Um, and if I am the Capitals, don't sign the guy because he's at that point where, you know, he's not, you know, he's not at the end of his career, but he's looking for that one last long-term contract. Um, and we talked about the goalie market where, you know, he may not get, I think last summer we predicted like he's going to get like 8 million a year. Um, I don't think he gets anything close to that now, the way the market's been, especially with the rumors of the Robert Leonard extension at like 5 million a year for five years with the golden Knights. Um, but overall, like, you know, cap space is still cap space. It's going to be a flat cap. 
Um, you already have Ilya Samsonov, that someone that I think the way this team is structured, you give the guy a chance to be your starter, and he's he's proven it in stretches. He's proven that he could be consistent, but at this point, the way the core is kind of aging right now, the way that the Capitals are still hoping to kind of add to that that Ov Backstrom Kuznetsov Wilson core, you don't bring in you don't bring back Braden Holpe knowing that he's not going to give you, I think, above 900 all the time, or he's going to be able to play 50 games. Yeah, and I think that the the backup goalie market or that 1B market is pretty rich uh, this summer. And listen, like I don't know if they necessarily trust Ilya Samsonov enough. I don't know if I trust Ilya Samsonov enough to play 60 games. And I know they have – or, yeah, 60, 65 games. And I know they have Phoenix Copley, who they signed to that three-year deal thinking that this is – going to be your backup goalie i just don't know if they trust him enough either as a backup so if i'm them i would risk losing phoenix copley to waivers if he has to go go through the next season and bring in a more reliable backup goalie like we'll see what like i'm this is i'm not saying they're gonna sign him but someone like anton hudobin now at this point, I don't know how much money is gonna make, and we'll get to him later. Eight and seven. Like honestly, at this point, we'll see. We'll see how much. Uh, at, like we'll talk about him later, but a guy like that, like Thomas Grice, is gonna be a UFA, and and New York, I don't think are gonna sign him. I can really see that fit there. Yeah, well, that like, would be a great fit. Yeah, and you know the Islanders are bringing in Ilya Sorokin from the, I believe the KHL. So that. That's where their backup is, plus Semyon Varlamov. So I think there's a few goalies who are going to be on the market that should tempt Washington. Yeah. Um, anything else about Washington before we move on? This is a bad time for Braden Hopi to hit free agency. I know because <laughs> within his contract, and you know, you don't know what the for- outside forces are going to be like. Oh, it's the worst time. Take- yeah, but it's the worst time it's now. It's the worst possible time. Right, like he did not have a good year. He I, he did not have a good playoff, uh, playoff run, and we don't know what the market's gonna be like because we know, and we talked about it last episode. The flat cap, they say it's gonna be three years. I just find that really hard to believe. Yeah, um, I think it's gonna be longer, and I hope. Listen, I hope I'm wrong. Obviously, obviously, I hope I'm wrong, but. Like you look at the Robin Leonard deal, how do you justify getting more that much more than Robin Leonard for that type of term? Um, obviously, last episode we talked about Jeff Ward most likely being um, the full-time head coach. Yeah, and obviously uh, they talked, they they announced it. The other guy, Pierre LeBrun. Uh, I saw the tweet uh, for a while now, all indications were that head coach Bob Bugner would have his interim tag removed with the San Jose Sharks. And I'm told that's good. That's finally going to happen over the next week or two. Listen, I think that's great. He's been a very, you know, what I've talked about a positive, I guess like one positive aspect of that Sharks 
uh, season. Um, yeah. If it's a guy that has been able to kind of like win over, you know, the the team, he's been able to have confidence in him from upper management. I think it's a guy that, you know, you ride that ship because this is not a full scale rebuild with the no. Sharks because financially they cannot afford that. And, I, for and no the, one's going to take on any of those contracts. Yeah. So, you know, it's a good indication of a guy that could help them along the way in what I feel is more of a transition time for them where they kind of realize, okay, who are going to be the main guys? Um, what do we have coming up? And to be honest, like how do we just deal with injury problems? Because this team really, you know, was pretty bad with that. And the goaltending as well, we've talked about it before, but you know, this is a worse situation as well. Like I don't think as much as I love Martin Jones for his 2010 efforts at the world juniors he is he does not deserve his contract no um do you and when i saw the when i saw the tweet about this i remember they brought on rocky thompson who's obviously uh golden knights uh chicago wolves head coach and listen like they they brought him on as assistant i have a feeling that they're just grooming rocky thompson at this point in the NHL as an assistant coach. And if Bob Bugner doesn't work, that's your guy. Yeah. It's, uh, for me, it reminds me of like the Ken Hitchcock, Mike Yo uh, yeah. situation in St. Louis where they, they like, they're like, listen, Ken, you know, you're only going to be here for the year. So Mike Yo is going <laughs> to take over. And they didn't even wait the year. They gave Mike Yo the full-time position like midway through the season. <laughs> so maybe it's like that. Maybe it's like he's on the hot seat now, Bob Bugner that they're saying, you know, listen, we're going to bring you back and you, you, we want you to perform. We want the team to perform. And if not, you're gone. Yeah, it'll, uh, it'll definitely be interesting to see what happens between Bob Bugner and the San Jose Sharks. Now let's get to some exciting things that have happened. Um, we had a big contract extension. Yeah. Jonas Brodin, uh, Minnesota Wild, actual defenseman. He actually plays defense, signed a seven year extension with the team. Uh, six year, oh, seven years, six million dollars. What do you think of that deal? A loyalty contract right there. I think, in terms of the length he was given and that cap hit, that's such a good cap hit for Jonas Brodin. Um, the Wild really. This is what we've talked about before, where they make these decisions and they keep adding older players with big contracts to this team, but somehow they are always able to kind of come out on top with these deals, like Brodeen staying on that deal, which I, I love, um, getting Kevin Fiala and somehow he's panning out. Like something seems to always happen with this team. Or um, after giving up Alex Tuck to uh, the Golden Knights, they get someone in the draft like Luke Cunnan who's been able to kind of, you know, soften yeah. the blow with that loss. So great with the Wild. Um, at the same time too, it's just this back to that same question we always had of what are they now? I don't know. And <laughs> well, because you think about it, next year, and I think it's bigger than just what they are now, is next year there's the expansion draft, right? Mm-hmm. So they have, to, they have to protect Spurgeon. They have to protect Ryan Suter. 
And I believe he has a no move clause in, in this as well. So now you have to protect Brodeen, which means you either protect four forwards and four defensemen, or you let Matt Dumba, you let Matt Dumba walk to Seattle. Because if Seattle doesn't pick Matt, pick Matt Dumba, they just don't know what they're doing. Yeah. So I think there's like, to me, it, it, there's a lot of questions that are not answered. And you know, listen, I think signing Brodeen was was a priority. I don't think you let this guy go, even if you're in a rebuild, because he is one of the best defensemen who can actually play defense. Mm-hmm. Right, like we don't we the only guy like we talk about Hedman. Hedman can play defense, but you look at the other guys up there and John Carlson, and in Carlson, in Dowdy, in Eric Carlson. Like offense is their thing, right? Their offense at the end of the day, they are a f- offensive defenseman. But this guy can actually play uh, play defense, and that's why it works so well on this team. So I don't think trading, trading Brodeen would have been a would have been a smart move for the team. Now there's one guy I brought I just brought him up, who could be on the move, and I hate having to bring this up every single time we talk about Matt Dumba. That he's going to be traded, and Adam brought it up. Used to always brings it up that the only time we talk about Matt Dumba is when he's going to be traded. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I have a quote, um, and it's about. <laughs> I don't. The, you're, the team I think is going to surprise you. I do think the team is going to surprise you a bit. Uh, Matt Dumba, if he is not the Canucks' top trade target, he's among their top targets this off season. As I understand it, they'll take a run at him. I don't think their first offer is going to be Brock Besser. They'll inquire to the Wild if they haven't already. Um, the quote continues, Brock Bester is a guy the Wild will probably ask for. That's who they asked for when the Canucks talked to them about Zucker over a year ago. But what I gather right now is the Canucks would try to make the deal with giving him up initially. Hmm. D- yeah, does it's it make, surprising to me. Does it make any sense to you why the Canucks would try to bring in Matt Dumba? I think if they view the Canucks view that there's a reshuffling going on with everything, like for sure, Chris Tanev is gone and you know, you're not going to give the same amount of minutes to Alex Edler. You still have Tyler Myers with that huge contract. So I don't know, maybe they just going for that consistency on the right side more. Um, but how about like Troy Stetcher's in RFA? Are you going to pay Troy Stetcher? Cause I know that's that's the thing too. I, I'm just thinking. I'm like, I, I don't understand why the Canucks would kind of be on this because they have so many guys to resign in the next few seasons that they're gonna add more money to it again. At the beginning of the season, I remember them even thinking about Troy Stetcher was was a question. Like, are we gonna resign Troy Stetcher? Because the same thing happened last year with Ben Hutton. Remember, they didn't uh, give him a qualifying offer. Obviously, he ended up in LA. But why bring in? Why give up someone like Besser to bring in Matt Matt Dumba? Yeah, I, I don't know. Doesn't make any sense to me, to be honest. Um, you know, I've said it before. I love the guy, but just 
if you you know if there's that hankering for a right side on your defense, then maybe. But or I don't know, controllable money. But the thing is, Brock Besser too. He's on such a great contract as well that like I don't see the swap happening. Um, yeah, it, it doesn't. Unless here's the thing. Here's here's the only reason I look at doing that. You trade. Bro- <laughs> And it'd be a really stupid thing to do, but I think it's something they might look at. If you trade Brock Besser for Matt Dumba, in my opinion, Brock Besser is worth more than Matt Dumba. Would you? Would you argue? Would you agree? Yeah. Also, younger, three years younger. Right. If they can attach one of their garbage deals, that that will screw them over at the end of next season. Do you think about doing that deal? I can see that happening. Um, I personally don't think it's going to be Louis Erickson. No one's, that's an untouchable no. contract. Um, it may be, an, I think, out of the value, out of the other horrible contracts they have in that bottom six, I would look at Anton Roussel, to be honest, and then Jay Beagle as the second option. But, you know, in terms of. It's just weird because, like, for me, it's just like, you know, you're throwing money back in a trade to a team that's really bad with cap management. Yeah. I mean, we know Minnesota is willing to take on that pretty much dead cap. It seems like because, again, now, Michael Russo didn't confirm that they're going to do this, but he said there's a good chance that they go back and look at uh, that Parise for Andrew Ladd plus deal. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially bringing on <laughs> dead cap and Andrew and, and, and Andrew Ladd. I guess the only difference is it's shorter than the Parise deal. I, I really want to have Harmon dial on again because I I, I want to know the thought process of why you trade Brock Besser for Matt Dumba, considering the situation that they're in. Yeah, I'm just even thinking of other right hand, like right side. Um, options that the Canucks could take that you know it wouldn't have to like they would it'd be it'd be an easier option for them to dump this type of money like um I know it's not the comparable but like I don't know like Buffalo like Henry Yokoharu but why do uh, they have to bring I don't understand why they have to bring in a right-handed defenseman even okay let me pull let me pull this up let's say you're still sticking with Ty, Tyler Myers, right? Like, I don't think mm-hmm. you're getting out of that contract. No. Chris Tanev is a free agent. I know, I know Harmon said last time when we had him on that, that it was one of their priorities, but I don't think it was their, their top. They have Troy Stetcher. Yeah. There's no way you, you can bring in Troy Stetcher. And when you trade for Matt Dumba, you're taking on, uh, you're taking on, 125000 more in cap space. How much is Troy Stetcher possibly going to cost you? 2.65. That's what I think per year. Like it's, it, it's not as much as Matt Dumba. I don't think you have to spend $12 million on two right-handed defensemen. But that's my opinion. If they're still going to explore that market, like personally, I've, I think I've mentioned it before where I would look at – I know his his uh, value is kind of low right now, but if they could do something as a sign and trade, like I wouldn't mind seeing like Jake Vertanen or something. Not get someone like Matt Dumba, but someone, I guess, a like package. A yeah, package. getting making a package for it. I mean, I could see them trading Jake Vertanen. Obviously, we ta- I think we talked about it last episode or two episodes ago. 
um, that it didn't seem Jim Benning was really impressed with 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 him. So, and he's a RFA with yeah. uh, with arbitration rights. So we'll we'll see what what happens there. Do you have anything else on the? Well, let let me. I guess I didn't really give my spiel on the uh, <laughs> on the Jonas Brodin contract. We kind of went off script. Yeah, um, towards the Canucks. I do. Re- I I think that's a that's a really good contract. I. I I mean, I said it. He's probably one of the best defensemen who can actually play defense in the league, uh, up there with the Jacob Slavens. Yeah, um, I I can't complain about the contract, even even uh, even the term, and yeah. I think it's a really good signing for the Minnesota Wild. Now we have a couple other tidbits about some players who haven't signed a contract, could sign a contract, or could leave their current team. Um, Joel Edmondson. And I texted Adam Adam about this last night because the more I think about this deal, the more I take the deal from good to okay. And I'll tell you why. How many times did Adam complain on the podcast that Montreal needed a proper top four left-handed defensemen. I guess every day, including the chat. Every time. Every time we talked about it, right? Yeah. And I understand depth, and I and I understand it's important to have depth in the playoffs. He said Xavier Ouellette was playing in the playoffs. I'm like, yeah, but you're not signing Joel Edmondson to a contract for him to not play. Like, that's – Listen, it it didn't make a whole lot of sense. Like we talked about Shane Gostaspear, I think that guy needs a new place to play, and I I really do think Montreal would be a great place to try mm-hmm. play him next to Petrie, play him next to Weber, whoever the hell you want. Because now we're in a situation where okay, you're playing Ben Chirot, you're playing Brett Kulak, you're playing Victor Mete, and now you have Joel Edmondson and Alex Romanov. Yeah, glut of uh, like, left-handed defensemen right there. And the thing is, these guys seem like, okay, Edmondson and Sherratt seem like, okay, it was a okay signing. Like, I remember when Sherratt signed, I think it was one of our first first episodes that we did. I'm like, listen, man, like, I get he's he's big, but he's also, like, I think we didn't expect him – to be as good as he was in Montreal. And I don't know if it can be the same case with Joel Edmondson. Like, I think he'll be a great bottom pairing guy, or even if you need him to be a number four with, to pair him with Petrie. I think the, with the Canadians, what they're doing is there's a lot of that reshuffling that if Edmondson, depending on what that cap, it's going to look like, maybe he plays, he absorbs the big minutes now until maybe in the future, there's another, deal that Mark Bergevin is going to do to actually address that top four, but, or, you know, wait for, to see like, you know, maybe Alex or you know, I'm just going to be optimistic about this. Maybe Alex Romanoff performs above expectations. That's a possibility. Now I have a quote about his cap hit uh, from Francois Gagnon of RDS. Um, Habs and Joel Edmondson are negotiating. Listen to this. A three to five year contract with a possible four million AAV. An agreement is 
is imminent, possibly before the weekend. Also, discussions have started for Brendan Gallagher's agent and Mark Bergevin. We'll we'll get to the Brendan Gallagher stuff just after this. It's a lot of money. That like, is a lot of money. Like okay, this is yeah, oh, go, go on. Go. This is what I kind of felt is that you know you gave up that fifth for you know these exclusive negotiating rights to kind of get a contract down to like for me I'd give Joel Edmondson. I don't know if I'm just splitting hairs here, but like 3.1 or 3.3 million a year on a three-year deal. If I'm being honest, I kind of be the guy where I think I'd give him below three. If I'm being honest, below three. Okay. I think I'm being harsh, but the considering the situation Montreal is in, I don't know if Joel Edmondson was the right full right guy to bring in. I think he's good. Like Adam said, he's good for depth. But I get you had Ulet playing. But you're going to pay three million, three to $4 million for depth. Like I get Montreal has the cap space, but Brendan got, and I understand the quotes from Brendan Gallagher about money, this money that I, to be honest, I think players just say that to say in a lot of the cases. Um, they have to eventually re-sign Suzuki. They eventually have to re-sign Kotkaniemi. Uh, Philip Deneau, what are they doing with him? Right, so I think Tatar, Jeff Petrie, they, all these guys are coming up. So that cap space is going to be <laughs> eventually used. Why are you spending money on depth pieces? And Adam's right. Adam's texted me saying, listen, if he does not bring in an actual scorer, what was like why how do you not spend money on a score you you dealt with the bat you dealt with the the backup goalie the the defense was an issue but i think depending on what alex romanov becomes as a that bottom pairing defenseman next year could move up to the top four you still don't have like the, the scoring seemed to be an issue mike hoffman is going to be a ufa possibility there yeah Oh, no, come on. Florida's not paying Mike Hoffman. No, they're not. They're not paying Evgeny Dadinov either. No, both of them are going to be on the market. If I'm Montreal, I go get one of them. I, you have to. If you're Mark Bergman, or you somehow finesse a trade to bring a score in. Obviously, negotiating rights to uh, Taylor Hall. <laughs> I don't think Adam would. <laughs> I don't know if Adam would like that. Okay. Um, but... We're in agreement that the Edmondson deal at three to five years for four million doesn't make sense. Five years is way too long. Like that's and for four million, yeah, that's like we've talked about before. You know, we we are fans of Joel's game. Sure. His yeah. thing is, we're fans of Joel when he's on a St. Louis Blues or a Carolina Hurricanes defense. No, listen. I can be a fan of him on this team. It's not the. It's not that he's a. It's not that he's a Canadians player it's the fact that you're bringing in another depth guy mm-hmm. and now you're gonna pay him through four million dollars around four million dollars a year i don't know like he had an off year he did joel edmondson had an off year in carolina how do you what's the justification i reshuffling that you know they've dealt with injuries here and there so maybe he didn't really know his role I kind of felt because some nights because he they was had like, like eight because they had eight actual NHL defensemen. Yeah. 
But I'm, I agree with you. Like, I think the smoke's kind of cleared with that enthusiasm we had initially about it. Now I'm kind of looking at the reports coming in. I'm like, I don't know if you're going to, I know it's just a fifth, but like, if you're going to dealt that fifth and still not get like a team friendly contract out of it, then I'm, I, don't, yeah. I don't see the point now. I don't see, I have an issue with the fifth because they have so many picks. And Adam and Adam said the same. He's like, man, like at least he's trying. But now try harder and do something right. That's think, is that's what yeah. I would say. I think Joel Edmondson on the open market would have gotten that three million a year. Oh yeah, he would have gone if he went to the open market. He would have gotten this deal. No question. Yeah. There's a team. There's a team who needs to hit the cap floor who would give him this deal if he wanted it. Mm-hmm. Um, now we have to talk about Brendan Gallagher. Apparently, I didn't realize this. There was a golf tournament. There was some quotes uh, that he said about his next contract. Obviously, he's a UFA at the end of next season. And the biggest thing, Brendan Gallagher said money won't be the only factor when it comes to his next contract. Playing for a winning team will be important as well. I wish I saw Adam's reaction when he read or heard that. I know. I kind of want to know what it was too. Yeah. Um, This is one of the quotes. Those are things when you're thinking about long-term and the strides that these players are going to be able to make, obviously talking about the younger guys. uh, It definitely affects your decision-making and it's a positive sign for sure. If you are Mark Bergevin, do you sign Brendan Gallagher to a contract extension? the moment that he becomes a free agent, uh, the moment he becomes eligible for a contract. I, I think so. I think you bring back the guy. Um, I don't know. He's become, I never thought I'd say that, but like he's become such a fixture with this team. And then, you know, say what you want of how he plays, especially against your favorite team. But yeah. The comments he's kind of brought up is like when someone is like that towards your organization, you definitely bring this guy back. He's a guy you hate to play against, but would love to have on your team. Yeah. Like I hate watching him against the Leafs, but I love watching him against Boston. Yeah. Now I think, I guess the biggest question that has to be asked is what does that deal look like? Um, I'm going to just say a random figure and say six million. Six? Do you think six million? I have a feeling he could he he could get more if he wanted to. Yeah. Than six million. Um, right now he's making three point seven five. Such a that's deal disgusting. For the Canadians. That's yeah. just, that's disgustingly good. Um, I, I really think he could get like six and a half to seven million dollars if he if he really wanted to. That's like Sean Couturier loyalty right there. Well, I'm looking at, okay, who, who, who does he play like? Who does he play like? The first name that comes to me is Brad Marchand. Yeah. And I'm look, Brad Marchand makes 6.66 or something around there. I'm a, I'll pull it up on, on Cap Friendly. Best website. Do you, do you think he has a scoring potential, though, as Brad Marchand? Brad Marchand makes 6.125. Um, hmm. With the right guys around him, 
maybe like guess I'm thinking now or like oh, plays me... like Brad Marchand, but at the same time too like does Phil Deneau play as Purchase Bergeron? <laughs> let me let me ask you this. I'm gonna pull up his stats right now. I'm not saying uh, Brad Marchand isn't a good player. If Brad Marchand is not playing with David Pasternak and and Patrice Bergeron, does he put up 87 points last year? Uh, or this, yeah, I guess last year. Uh, in 2018-19, does he put up 100 points? Does he put up 85 points the year before that and the year before that? No, I don't think my so. answer is no. I mean, yeah. he still put he he still puts up high goal uh, points totals. I just don't think they're that high. Yeah, and, and we saw like the World Cup as well. How he plays with both Bergeron and Crosby. Yeah, so just so give him the right center. That that's my justification for giving Gallagher. I think you give Gallagher the right players. That guy will be a pest, a pest in front of the net. Zach Hyman is like a poor man's Brendan Gallagher. I'm so like I love Zach Hyman. It's just it's just the truth. And I think the reason he has that edge over Hyman is I think that offensive ability. Have you ever seen Zach Hyman skate down the side and try to take a shot? I mean, it's, um, it's difficult to watch here and there when uh, Matthews gets shut down. Yeah, you, you'll it's see difficult it. To watch. But uh, I don't know. I think. Just with Zach Hyman, he just he he knows his role. He doesn't he knows he doesn't have to do that stuff. You know, he yeah, gets the dirty of work done. Of course, um, he helps dig and grind. What is next on the list here? This is this is big. This is a big one. Yeah, Alex. Petrangelo. I thought I was shocked. Alex Petrangelo could be. Let me pull up the tweet. This is from everyone's favorite reporter, Darren Dreger. Um, he said on TSN 1050 that he thinks Toronto and Las Vegas would be near the top of Alex Petrangelo's list of preferred destinations if he does not re-sign with the Blues. That's crazy to me. I don't know. Just I know Vegas has been able to get these guys, but okay, wow, they keep shocking us. I put out a tweet because this didn't. Listen, I'm sorry, he's not coming to Toronto. I can almost guarantee that the money would be an absolute nightmare because now you think about the money that he'd make. Obviously you're, if you bring in Petrangelo, your Nylander's practically traded. Like yeah. I don't see the math working out there because now we're almost getting up to $50 million for five players. And that's just not, not going to work. <laughs> not fe- it's to- not feasible. No, it, it doesn't make sense. I think it makes more sense for the Leafs to spend that type of money on more than one player, in my opinion. Um, I think you have a guy in Riley for the Leafs who it's possible for him to take that big step forward, for him to be a number one, hopefully. I think you need to put a guy next to him that can play defense. Yeah, like... And Ron Hainsey was that. Yeah. Like, Not Cody Ceci. I felt that too, that you need to find a guy where, you know, the, those things that we say, an actual defenseman, someone who, well, may, maybe he'll have some, you know, offensive edge to him, but, you know, that's not his main, that's not his, like, his he main He can play defense. Purpose. That's yeah, it. Like, that's I keep thinking Josh Manson, but I don't, I don't think that's happening. No, I don't. <laughs> 
but a, a guy <laughs> like Josh Madsen. I don't think that's happening either. Yeah. Um, but I, I was so curious as to who Vegas would give up because they have like $5 million in, in cap space right now. They got a couple guys. They, they do have to resign like Nick cousins, uh, Chan- Chandler Stevenson's is another guy. Um, Thomas, no sick. We'll see that. What do you give up to bring in Alex Petrangelo? I'd assume it would be a defenseman that you're trading away. I put this question out on Twitter and one person responded, thankfully. Um, and they said Nate Schmidt and Jonathan Marcheseau. Mm. Now, I don't know why you trade Jonathan Marcheseau, in my opinion. I don't think that's... Except for Miss Twitter outbursts. Except for Miss Twitter outbursts. But I, I'd understand why you, you trade Nate Schmidt. Um, like, he's a very, very good defenseman. Don't get me wrong. I just, again, I don't see him signing in Las Vegas. That's the issue. <laughs> Unless, like, I don't know. Because I didn't think of, like, you know, Pacioretty going there to sign an extension or Paul Stasny taking, no, I, taking his, well, uh, his... They've been in... I was saying take they, his talents there, but... They, yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> like LeBron. That's I was shocked when, to be honest, like... We never mentioned this, but I was shocked when Paul Stanley left Winnipeg. Like the really? family legacy was there. I guess they yeah. made mo- they traded Steve Mason and Joel Joel Armia That's to try true. to re-sign him, and then That's he just true. didn't sign with them. So, you know, Vegas could surprise us with this. Um, they most definitely could. And, and think about it. they've been in how many sweepstakes for players? Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty, like you said before, Paul Statsny, and Eric Carlson. Yeah. And they have the prospects to like move, like, you know, they traded Eric Brandstrom and they haven't lost a step. They do, yeah. Kind of like I realized the depth they have. They traded Nick Suzuki and nothing changed. Yeah. Um, but listen, at the end of the day, I really do think Alex Petrangelo is staying in St. Louis. I, I think, think so they'll figure. I, I think they'll figure something out. He has four kids now. He has his wife's from St. Louis. I I just think there's. I understand he has roots in Toronto. I I understand that. I just don't think number one the money works doesn't work, and I don't think he wants to move. Now I read somewhere that he was offered something around eight million dollars. Um. And I do think he would have accepted $8 million in this market. But when you sign a Ju- the Justin Falk deal and then you go and give Marco Scandella money, I don't understand why. It must sour that, that relationship there a little bit. I think so, yeah. I it's just he- like the just-in-case signings that uh if he were to leave you um, literally gave justin falk alex petrangelo's cap hit in 20 in 2019 this still feels to me like a stamkos kind of thing where like will he will he not and then because remember he had rumors coming to toronto he had the meeting with canadian tire i remember yeah and then the the, one the detroit red wings were uh you know a, a, a lot better than they are Right now, in their current iteration, they had, they, tried meet, they tried to get him too. So, oh my god! But the thing is, like at the end, like it's gonna be like this media hoopla that ends yeah. up 
him staying in St. Louis, I think. It, it, it will be. Uh, I, I just, I guess they're going to have to find the right price. And I don't think Doug Armstrong is done making moves no. for this team. Um, I guess, you know, we'll get the Leafs content out of the way. All right. I know Adam won't want me to talk about it, but we're going to do it. Um, Kyle Clifford is all but gone, according to his um, according to his agent. He is going to hit free agency. I'm perfectly fine with this. You're okay with that? I personally loved it when he came to Toronto. Like he, the bottom took guy could, that could skate and give you that grit. I know that it kind of affected Nylander. Um, Cash Perry captain his game, but he was the kind of guy where there was a lot of complaints about, you know, there was that bite on Toronto. I know uh, Jeff O'Neill kept asking about that. Like, oh, where's the bite? Where's the bite on overdrive? And, you know, they got someone like Clifford. They addressed the back goalie and that in one trade. And how I kind of feel is that, you know, it's not a huge, huge loss to them, but it's kind of something where I wish things kind of worked out a bit better yeah. for him on the team. But, you know, if the rumors are true and they get someone like Wayne Simmons on a similar cap hit maybe or maybe something in that range, then I wouldn't mind. Listen, everyone's been talking about Wayne Simmons. The only way this guy comes to Toronto if he's taking a J- Jason Spezza-like deal. And the thing with that is is I, I think he'd accept it if that was his only offer. And I know he wants to be close to home, but I do think Wayne Simmons has a market. Like, I think it, there's going to be a bidding war, or there could potentially be a, a bidding war for for Wayne Simmons. I just don't think Toronto's interested in getting into a bidding war for, for that guy. Yeah, like, he's not, you know, not how he was a few years ago with he put up 60 points. Um, but he's certainly someone that I could kind of feel that there is still that market. Like, even if he doesn't, have to be in the top nine all the time. Uh, he is definitely someone that I really wish Toronto could afford him, but that's okay. But in terms of Kyle Clifford, um, I guess, you know, the silver lining in there is the Leafs don't give up a second now. And that would be uh, pretty, pretty damn good. Yeah, pretty good. Um, the second thing, and I'm just searching this up right now, but it's between Toronto and uh, St. Louis that apparently they are um, making. They're in the. It there's talks that they might be making a trade um, or working on a trade. What do you think they are talking about? Hmm. I'm not too sure. To be honest, how about you go first? Let's pull up. Listen, I am. I'm not a big fan of trading William Nylander, as you know. Me too. But, but there is a man on the St. Louis Blues. I would not mind getting my hands on. Is this the guy that they've been rumored to be getting for like the last three or four years? Yes, sir. And I already threw, I listen, I last a month and a half ago, I think maybe I threw this idea out there to Adam. I said, Hey, what do you think of a deal centered around William Nylander for Colton Pareko? It doesn't necessarily have to be one for one. And I know St. Louis fans would argue that Toronto needs to add and Toronto fans would argue St. Louis needs to add. 
it's centered around those two guys. And he told me no. Because why I mean, would you one, one for one, this would be more fair than Adam Larson and Taylor Hall. It would most definitely yeah. be more fair. I, I still think Toronto would win that deal. Because it fits their needs, right? I think it, it, it fits their needs more. But the only issue with that one is that Toronto, uh, sorry, St. Louis doesn't get any cap relief uh, if you do it one for one. So that's why I'm looking and thinking there's another guy um, on this team and with they, that I think would be interesting to see if they, they think about a third line center and a guy like Oscar Sundquist. Um, it, it seems like they're tr- going to try to trade Alex Kerfoot. I don't think Dubis wants to, but um, I, to me, I think Kerfoot needs one more year. But I think it'd be interesting to see if, if there's a deal that, that uh, is looking at both those guys. Or at least yeah. that's what makes sense to me. I think for me, what that would make sense is what Toronto's kind of look for in that third line because – I think if they get someone like Oscar Sundquist, they go back to a more traditional, like, two-way type of third line where, you know, these guys could have some offensive output, but it's not going to be, like, the three scoring lines kind of situation. And I think Alex Kerfoot kind of failed in that. Like, he didn't live up to the expectations that I really thought he could put up another 40-point season, and it just wasn't really there. Or even if they moved him off of center, like, it just kind of looked kind of off when he came into the top six. And yeah. I guess the comparables is what is Oscar Sundquist's contract? Because I know that if they were to trade Alex Kerfoot, they would probably be, you know, more ads on the two St. Seven, Louis side. Two, two, seven, five. Oh, I'm not saying, no, no, listen, I'm not saying Kerfoot is part of the deal. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying I, they're, they're talking about moving Kerfoot. I wouldn't be surprised if they bring in someone like Sundquist and then end up moving Kerfoot for some type of assets. I just thinking about that trade again. They got Sunquist and Ryan Reeves. No, no, they got Sunquist and Clint Clawston for Ryan Reeves. Of course they did. That was to Pittsburgh, right? Yeah. That wasn't that really weird three-way trade. No, that one was uh, when, for some reason, Pittsburgh wanted Derek Brassard and they gave up a first Ian Cole and Philip Gustafson. Didn't they also get Ryan Reeves? Was Ryan Reeves went to Vegas from oh Pittsburgh to Vegas. Yeah. Oh my God. What a, oh. that was a bad, that was the, that was when we're like Jim Rutherford's uh, asset match. That's when he, when it started going downhill for, uh, for Jim Rutherford. Um, I think that's it on all the player stuff. Um, we'll get to the playoffs, but I guess we should mention it. No, I should have opened this up, but Mike Kitchen, obviously is not returning uh, to the Florida Panthers for next season. Daniel, can you tell us why? Because uh, I don't um, have it up here, and I'm just looking for it right now. Do you have it? I have it here. So Mike okay. Kitchen will not be returning to the Florida Panthers after a reported incident where he allegedly kicked another player on the back after he was sprayed by the player's water bottle after the Florida player, I guess, threw his water bottle in frustration. And yeah. it was, and they were talking about it was not considered a 
quote unquote friendly tap of encouragement, the source <laughs> says, according to Frank Cervelli's article on TSN, but okay. a full on kick that where he reared back and booted him in the lower back in anger. Um, according to reports, this um, former GM Dale Talon and head, current head coach Joel Quenville were notified of the alleged incident, but Kitchen did not um, was not penalized or really suspended for his actions. I, I don't know. We've we've talked about it um, multiple times. Obviously, he's not. He didn't come into the bubble, and and I think there was some suspicious. It was suspicious when that happened, when he decided he didn't want to come into the bubble. My question is: Did the NHL know? Yeah, I'm kind of thinking of that too. Like it's kind of like they swept it under the rug, and you know, this is. I think the fact that the Panthers did not speak out about it and just kind of leave it as it was is kind of kind of just iffy with me because I know he's been a long time assistant coach for Joel Quenville. Was he there in Chicago? Yes, he was there with uh, Quenville with the Blues and with the Blackhawks. Okay. So, pretty of a weird situation for me. Um, I, I don't know to kind of think of this. I know I that... Mean, uh, yeah. I don't, I'll, Joel Quenville said, I know Kitch and in a lot of ways, I know exactly what makes him work and i think we've got a good work great working relationship that's great that's not what the issue is at, the issue is at hand <laughs> yeah but apparently I, there's I, the expectation that his um quenville's entire coaching staff was supposed to return for 2021 oh I, yeah. I mean not anymore not anymore I, I think this is just another thing to add on to the list of things that dale talon has done wrong yeah to not address it earlier just made it look a lot worse than it is. Um, I think it's just another thing like we've talked about, like the same thing with the Coyotes. It's just another thing for the Florida Panthers to kind of deal with now that. I mean, if they just addressed it, it would have been, it would have been fine. I think it, it would have been applauded for it to be it honest. Been fine. Think about that. I don't remember what his name was um, in Chicago. Do you do you do you remember who it was who left around January after everything went down? Mark Crawford. It was Mark Crawford. Remember he left. They gave him a leave of absence, and then I believe he ended up joining back with the team. I don't remember exactly what the incident is was. So I'm, I want to make make something up. Um, like no, there was no issue there, right? Like they handled it, it was handled, and and that was it. They went on their way. Like they, you know, I think it's just kind of things where I I don't want to accuse anyone of anything, but it's just kind of like the people who are involved with this are these guys that have had a you know they've had a friendship already with Mike Kitchen, and these are guys that are the quote unquote you know old time hockey kind of guys that maybe these are how things were kind of dealt with previously that we don't know of that you know it's just it's not how it is anymore i mean they'll figure it out eventually i, I don't know like I, or maybe they won't i think there's that that's the that's the thing now it comes down to 
did the NHL know? Like, did the league itself know? We know Quenville and um, Dale Talon knew, but did if the league knew? I think, I think it creates many more issues. It does for um, sure. Yeah, I don't know. It's just another thing. It was like in uh, Frank Cervelli's um, article on it. It just. He also brought to light like the present situation that uh, the Panthers are in with Dale Talon and his own alleged, you know, racist remarks in the bubble. It's just another thing to add on for the Panthers, where it just if these things were handled earlier, then you know they these things wouldn't be as you know prevalent or something that you know now everything's on the Panthers. Yeah, and if I'm Mike, if if uh, I'm Mike Kitchen, receipts. Yeah. Right. I guess that's. Uh, is there anything else you want to say about that? I don't know. Just I think for this, it's just a wait and see. To be honest, how they handle it. How they handle it. Um, you know, they have a lot on their plate now, the Panthers. So the next few weeks are going to really dictate on how they're going to deal with this and what they're going to do. You know, for future cases like this. For sure. Um, now it's a weird transition. It is, but you know we had to talk about it. We got to do it. Um, well, let's get to the playoffs now. Let's get to the series that is finito, as they say. Um, the Dallas Stars beat the Vegas Golden Knights. Huh? Yeah, I saw that coming. What? That's not supposed to happen. I know. My gosh! Like <laughs> looking back, what did I say? I said Vegas and six. You said Vegas and six. I said Vegas and six. Adam's the only one who said D- Dallas, and I don't know if he was and he jinxing said a seven. it. Wow! I, I don't know if he was jinxing it or or not. I think let let's let's just give this man a round of applause. I think there's two people on Dallas who who deserve a, a round of applause. Anton Hudobin and Rick Bonus. Yes. Who saw that uh, coming? I don't think anyone saw Anton Hudobin coming. Um, and I think he just, I said he doubled. <laughs> I, I told someone that he just doubled what he got, what he would get in, in free agency from the start of the season. Um, <laughs> I don't think necessarily think that's true. I just think he's definitely gonna or he's definitely earned himself a contract. And and if I'm Anton Hudobin and someone says, Well, Yaroslav Halak uh got this contract, um, sorry, I took my team to the Stanley Cup finals. And Yaroslav Halak is not a bad goalie. Obviously, he was put into that situ in, in a weird situation. The team in front of him was not performing. Mm-hmm. But, it, come on. Yeah, I know. Like, um, we've, we've always had that, like, same idea of, like, what Yaroslav Hak could do, like, 2010 and then this year as well. And I, I don't know. The way Anton Dobin's been able to do it, like, the fact that he, he got, he you know, he robbed Colorado and then he robbed Vegas of so many, like, scoring opportunities. It's just, you know, a testament that, you know, it's not a fluke that, what I kind of feel with him is that he's always had that ability to be a consistent, you know, one A, one B, whatever you want to call him. Like when he was on Boston, like his two times there, he kind of showed that. He when he was on Minnesota, he also showed that. And the way he's been bouncing around around the league, it just 
it's 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 it was it always kind of confused me because it's it's the kind of guy that you know if given the opportunity then he could be as good as we think he is if as we I, know, as we've yeah. seen how he is if i'm if i'm uh if i'm dallas i am signing um i'm signing this guy right now right yeah uh, yeah for sure um, how about Rick Bonus? We talked about Rick Bonus last episode. Deserve we we both agreed he deserves to be Dallas head coach. Man, that's just a story. You know, obviously he comes in at weird time. Uh, obviously they let go of Jim Montgomery for uh, external um, external reasons. I mean, they couldn't have gone any better for Rick Bonus. Yeah, like I don't think so. Like um, I think one comparable I saw was when Mike Sullivan came in to the Pittsburgh Penguins. But at the same time, I think Rick Bonus is, <laughs> um, you know, his rise is arguably more, you know, you know, more worthy of our applause because, you know, to take this team as the way it was built, not really having an idea of who was going to be your starter. You know, the whole thing is kind of like that. Wrench is kind of thrown in where, you know, Ben Bishop's unfit to play. And then you inherit a team where, you know, you have Jamie Ben, you have Tyler Sagan, you have these, you know, Rupe hints, you have these pieces here and there, but, you know, you don't have Crosby, you don't have Malkin, you don't have a Phil Kessel that kind of went off. Um, yeah. And to still make, to make the most out of this. And, you know, we could say what we want about the whole analytics situation and the goal differential for this team, but it's, I, I that just makes the story a lot more astounding to me. Yeah, it's uh it's definitely a great story uh for Rick Bonus. And I think what this team was getting in this series and even in last series that they weren't getting during the regular season is that they were scoring or they were getting points from from different different places. Right, the only main guy who I uh, forward guy who I said, oh, like I I want him to put up more, was Tyler Sagan, who only had an assist. Yeah, but other uh, than that, things were working. And uh, once again, I am sorry to all Dallas Stars fans that you know I underestimated them. I said that they're not a complete team, but you know, under pressure, they really did come together. Like it was a team effort. They don't, you know, they have the mirror high skin in, but they don't have a guy that just simply dominated for them every night. I have a question. I, we talked, we said mirror high skin in, I think we were all pretty in agreement that mirror high skin in was our con Smythe winner. Is Anton Hudobin making, making a push? You know, if this continues in the finals, no question. He is my guy. Um, Honestly, if they lose in Game Seven to I don't know, the Islanders or the Lightning, um, I think Anton Hudobin still takes the Conn Smythe. No, you think so? Yes, I think so. No, I don't know. I I don't know about that because I think Tampa Tampa. Well, I'm assuming Tampa's. <laughs> I'm assuming and after Tampa's last gonna, night, I was like, uh, that was such a deflating I'm last goal. Tampa's gonna win, but um, I think Tampa has a couple guys. Uh, I, I really hope Brian Point comes back, and um, Victor Hedman has been an absolute beast 
in the playoffs this year. I don't know if I'd give it to Anton Udobin even okay. if they lose. <laughs> I can't make the argument. No? Okay. Um, should we talk about Pierre, uh, Tyler Sagan and the analytics and Pierre Maguire? I think, for me, I just found it funny, to be honest, when he talked yeah. about it, where you know, Tyler Sagan, he's a joking guy, and I, I don't think he is kind of like that throwback kind of guy where it's like, you know, throw your advanced numbers out the window. I don't need it to perform. Like what, what I bring to the ice is what I bring to the ice. And I, I, I don't know. I think he just kind of saying, you know, I got away with it, even though I got away with it, even though the numbers, you know, were against me. Listen, I think analytics are helpful, right? Mm-hmm. But they can't be everything, and I don't know if you can use them as an excuse. Yeah, when you lose. In the in this in this obviously in this case, um, and I, because only in Leafs losses where it's like despite the it. score, I the Leafs had like this certain possession percentage. It's fine. I don't care that you had two percent. You had a shooting percentage of two. Do something about it, like. Uh, that's not good enough. Like that's not good enough for me, but I think he makes a point. And I think Pierre Maguire makes a good point too. Obviously. Like I think they push really hard. The analytics guys push really hard, really, really, really hard because they're good to use, but I don't think they're good to use as saying, Oh, Vegas lost. Uh, Like, because like you look at that series, I think Vegas did dominate in terms of puck possession. Mm-hmm. But they still lost. Like yeah. it's great that they had the puck the entire time. They just didn't they put the perform. puck in the back of the net. Yeah, so which was to, surprising to me. Like we, which was we uh, complimented their offense for how long, and then it just dried up like that. Yeah, it's gone. I feel I should stop making predictions. Um, I have to bring this guy up because I don't want to get mad if I did it. Max Pacioretty was absolutely invisible for eight yeah. straight games, zero goals. Max, what are you doing? Um, I think you I know, guess I guess things never change. Yeah, for the contract he's been given, he has performed during when, the regular season. during the regular season. It's just the yeah. playoffs. It just I, I don't know. It just they got nothing out of him. Um, I, I don't know how to kind of describe it in a way. Um, I think when Vegas got him, he kind of had that leadership quality where you know. In these pressure pressure situations, he's someone that will lead by example. But I don't know; he just lost his footing out there. Yeah, it seems like uh, same playoff Max in um, yeah. in, in Montreal. You know what? I was um, <laughs> let's let's before we move on from this series. There's one thing that got on my nerves when Peter Bohr said it that Thatcher Demko rattled the Golden Knights. I don't buy it, to be honest. The that of- is one of the worst excuses I've heard. And last night, I stayed up extra late to read the excuses of Patrick Beverly, the excuses of Paul George, the excuses of Lou Williams. That that, that was like, I'm sorry, that's great that like, but you beat Thatcher Demko. You beat him. So, I don't know, it's just... Where are you coming? At, where are you coming from, man? The, the way I kind of see is that you know this is not a rookie team. These are guys that are in their prime. That you know they've been around the block. They they know how playoff hockey is. 
they know how to kind of go from one series to the other that, you know, there's really no excuse. You know, unless you're Cody Glass, <laughs> I, I don't buy it. It's, I don't take that as an excuse. I think that's – I think it's a really poor, poor thing to say. Um, and uh, did you know Pete DeBoer was the coach? Just to let you know. <laughs> came and get his team to a cup final. Come on. I bet Gerard, if Gerard Gallant was the coach, oh. that they'd be in the cup final. Maybe. That guy's a proven cup finalist. Okay? I mean, He's Pete DeBoer, been... first year he went to the finals with the Devils. Oh, yeah. 2012. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. yeah, he almost won the cup. I know. With a you... uh, 40-year-old Martin Broder. Oh, God. God, why? Do you, do you think... Do you think this changes anything for Vegas? Like, I know there's a lot of talks of they really did go. It seemed like they went all in this year. They brought in Alec Martinez. They they made some moves to, it seemed, but I don't necessarily think this changes much. What, what about you? I don't think either. Like, I think, like, I, I went back to it because, you know, like, I think we've just been so used to Vegas being good that you're like, where's the urgency? They are three-year-old franchise like really where is the urgency and the way the guy like they're built the guys they have everywhere like it's not like any of these guys are aging or you know these guys just signed extensions yeah that's an interest like it's that's a that's an interesting point like not many of these guys are are that old like the their the core is like the core is, I guess, Mark Stone's twenty eight, Carlson's twenty seven, Smith twenty nine, Marcia so twenty nine, Tuck twenty four. Sorry, Cody Glass is twenty one, Nate Schmidt is twenty nine, Theodore, uh Shea Theodore is twenty five. Right? Yeah. I don't I don't see Robin Leonard what's thirty. Robin Leonard's gonna be thirty, yeah. Like I don't see it that yeah. Like I just, of course, not aging. Do I kind of say is like just keep doing your thing? <laughs> yeah, like listen, there are, the cupboards aren't dry. No, right. Not at all. I, I don't think Kelly McCrimmon's gonna make a a, a stupid decision um, this off season. I think the stupidest thing he did all season was firing Ger- Gerard Gallant because Mark Andre Fleury wasn't performing. Sorry, mm-hmm. Daniel, he wasn't performing. That's, I know it's, just, it's okay. It's just it's just a fact. Like <laughs> yeah, it's just a fact. Um, before we move on, do the everyone's everyone's been talking about that we need to change the penalty that we need to change the rule on the over the glass and it's a two minute penalty. Just don't do it. How about that? Yeah, okay. like it's a rule. Okay, follow it. Okay, that's it. Hmm. Do you think they should change it? I don't know. It's just kind of like it's funny when like it happens. You're like, all right, like for your team, like all right, no worries. But like, it's just it's something that you know it's coming up way too often now that I'm I'm seriously seriously considering like maybe they should. But okay, so I I, I heard an interesting I heard an interesting rule change the first time um, that you do it. You mm-hmm. don't you don't get a penalty, but your guys have to stay on the ice. No, no line change. I think they were they were considering it similar to how an icing how the icing is done. The second time and time after that, obviously you get a penalty. But just like 
gives them the penalty at the first time. Yeah. You're delaying. All you're doing is delaying the inevitable. It's going to happen. Yeah. I, I just, I don't know why you're going to change it. And I get this one was a fluke accident. And listen, nothing against Zach Whitecloud, but he did it. Okay. That pretty, yeah, that was really bad. The only time people complain about it is when it happens against their team and they lose because of it. It's just, it's just true. It's just a fact. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> it's just a, it's that, that one's, that one's uh, just a fact. Let's get to, oh, let's get to um, the Tampa Islanders series. I stayed I, up for that last night. I did too. I did too. I stayed up for that double overtime. Um, do the Islanders know that to win in overtime, you have to put the puck in the net? I know. I, I felt like they f- didn't realize that. Six minutes into double overtime, they had 22 shots. <sighs> it was I, – listen, I don't like the oil. Like, I'm not a big fan of the Islanders. Dump and chase. Anyways, but that's some boring-ass hockey. Yeah, um, not exactly <laughs> – you know, the most mesmerizing with things. But for some reason, they still keep making it work. Like, I think Tampa at that point, like, their speed really kind of caught up with them where they were making the plays, but eventually, like, when they collapsed in their own zone, it just, you know, that's where the Eberly goal comes out of. Yeah, the reason I'm not worried about Tampa Bay for Game 6 or Game 7 is that they, they've been dominating practically the entire series. The in the and and that's why I'm like they'll come out in game six. And another thing, it's not that because they've been dominating the series based off of st- stat advanced stats, they know how to play the Islanders game, right? They faced Columbus, Columbus, similar game plan to the Islanders. Mm-hmm. They they faced Boston, similar ish, not the same um plan, but similar. But they play that. They'll get in deep. They'll get pucks deep. <laughs> so they'll do the dump and chase if they have to. They know how to play against that Islanders style. And I think that's what gives them the advantage. That's what's going to give them the advantage in game six. Yeah, I completely agree that, you know, the Lightning have, you know, they're, they've been tested how many times with this where they have these defensive systems that they go against. And, you know, they're not just trying to outskill them. You know, they're saying, okay, this is how we're going to adapt. But at the same time, too, like this, we're not going to lose sight of what our game is. And they've been able to kind of keep doing that. So I agree. I think it really is Tampa's series to lose. Um, I don't think they should look too much into this 2-1 loss in double overtime. And kind of think about, okay, what can we do differently in terms of offense? I think they just have to keep doing what they need to do and just, you know, not, not get into the – like the way I see it is like not get into what the Islanders' like idea of how they should play, but kind of just not overthink that too much, but just keep going with what they can do. And I know that like losing Braden Point was huge for them and – it, it did create a lot more changes on what they had to do with their special teams as well. But yeah, I, I don't know. It's just, I, it's just this Tampa team is just too good to lose in a way. This series. It'd be, listen, they, Dallas plays a little bit of a boring game, boring game of hockey, but Oh my God, the Islanders versus the stars would be an absolute nightmare. 
Yeah. I don't. I, I really don't want to watch it. It'd be. It'd be. I'd be. I'd rather watch golf. Okay. And I don't watch <laughs> golf ever. I mean, apparently, according to the Brendan Gallagher quotes, that that's where we should be going for the media scrums now. Where? To these uh, these golf tournaments to get those uh, contract uh, quotes. I'm down. I'm down. Yeah. Let's do it. This is Let's no longer it. at the arena. It's at the golf club. It's got to be outside. Club. It's got to be outside. It's yeah. Be COVID friendly. I think another important point that we got to talk about for for Tampa is they are still missing Braden. Like they missed Braden Point last night, and they still dominated in yeah. terms of uh, in terms of like how the game went. They still dominated without Braden Point, which which is very scary. Yeah, this team like their depth and just even to like one thing that I uh, we've talked about was they've been able to get the most out of these guys that everyone kind of wrote them off. And that, I, that includes Zach Bogosian and Kevin Shattenkirk. These guys hey, have... Hey, hey, Let's not forget about Leafs legend, <laughs> Luke Shen. Okay? Yes. Let's not forget about I'm I'm happy he's reinvented himself. You know, he gets the 10 minutes. Um, but, yeah, it's these guys that, you know, they've been overlooked by other teams that, you know, maybe they didn't fulfill those quote-unquote expectations that people had of them but to go to this lightning team understand their role and you know become solid contributors uh that's just another testament to like the lightning's system that they've been able to not only draft amazing guys in whatever round they're given but bring in these guys that just fit in seamlessly like we all thought you know the era of the big defenseman that is like in Luke Shen is done, but you know, they've been able to kind of remold him into someone that really fits that team. What are the chances the Leafs this Luke Shen doesn't have a contract next year? Yeah. What are the chances know, the Leafs bring that that guy back? I like how he shoots right you know, right handed. I mean he shoots right handed. We we yeah. kinda need one of those guys. That would be uh that'd be very helpful. He is out of a contract. What did he make this year? It's like seven hundred thousand dollars. Wow, that's basically Jason Spezza money. <gasps> Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's bring back Luke Shen. Um, sorry, I can only <laughs> dream about Luke Shen. I don't know. No, let's not bring back Luke Shen. Uh, I love that guy, but I'd rather have James Van Riemsdyk. No. Well, maybe not. <laughs> may, may, maybe not on this contract. No, but um. um what, three what, years ago, James yeah, Van Riemsdyk. Three, three years ago, James Van Riemsdyk. Yes, yes. What do you think about the New York New York Islanders? Like, what what set them? What set them apart last night in terms of like we talked about? D- Tampa dominated dominated the game, but at the end of the day, the Islanders still won that game in overtime. What set what set that what set them apart? They were patient. Uh, they picked their shots. Um, they didn't let. You know the barrage of the lightning offense kind of bring them down or anything. Um, they, I think, Semyon Varlamov really held the fort a lot better than what we saw in the previous game, where you know it was a four-one game and it was just kind of like typical of what you expect how the series is supposed to go. And then suddenly yeah. they were able to kind of adapt to that. Um, you know, not say like we're gonna match them shot for shot, but. We're gonna play our game, and we're gonna. They were able to kind of really isolate the Lightning. Um, the Lightning still get a lot of good quality chances, but you know they they still let them still get the shot on net, but not not from like you know these key scoring chances. Not the same thing we saw in um, game 
game four. And what happens next game? Ooh, um, if Braden Point is back, I think Tampa takes this 3-1. 3-1. That's what we're going yeah. with. And we'll, we'll, we'll remember that uh, for Sunday. Um, last question. What do the Islanders have to pay Ryan Pulak and Matthew Barzal? Matt Barzell, um, I know it's Lou Lamorell doing the negotiations. So you know what? If he's not signed by the start of training camp, we're just going to trade him. Okay, that's what's going to happen. That's what everyone says should have happened. Okay, um, so that's fair. Based on what he did to the New Jersey Devils, I don't see that being like you know an impossible thing, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I remember like yeah. every time the Devils had like a big time free agent, they just walked. Like he, Lou just let them walk. Like Brian Rafalski. I know Scott Edmeyer wanted to play with his brother, but yeah, yeah it's just like these like Zach Parise walked. <laughs> um, right. Yeah, it, what I kind of feel with it was you have to pay Matt Barzell. <laughs> if I told you that the the New York Islanders have a, just a tad under $9 million of cap space. What would you tell me? I don't know. Take Matt Barzell. Cause it's Give true. him the money. It, they have $9 million and they have to pay Matthew Barzell and they have to pay Ryan Pulak and Devin Tays. So someone's going. Let's just be real here. I think it's Devin, Devin Tays. No, but they can sign all three of them. But they're gonna have to get trade someone who's making the big bucks, like our Johnny Boychuk. Um, I don't know who's gonna take that contract. A- Andrew Ladd. Like, here's the thing, and I'm gonna bring this back to the point I was making before about the Zach Parise trade. I don't think they do the Zach Parise trade. No, it it doesn't work mathematically unless they take Andrew Ladd and they take someone else. Johnny Boychuk and Andrew Ladd for Zach Parise. And I don't even know if that's enough. No. I don't know. I think like they dig deep into like what else they can kind of give up. If like Ryan Pulak and Devin Taves are their future, you know, along with, you know, Nick Letty, do you give up a Scott Mayfield? The issue is do you give up do you give up something part of their part of their D? Because that's what's that's what's made them. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I hate to I, say it, but maybe a Brock Nelson. <laughs> uh, maybe don't pay. Like, listen, I love the Jean Gabriel Pajot. Like, I think he's a great, really good fit for the team. But to extend him right away, yeah. Or the Anders Lee deal at seven million dollars. I'm not listen. I'm not a big fan of the Anders Lee deal at seven million dollars. You know, we don't understand. We don't. Maybe we don't know his locker room presence. But yeah, I kind of agree that for the player he is, that's a lot of money. Um, it seemed like a loyalty contract, but it's something that I really felt that that money could have gone somewhere else. They couldn't sign P- uh, Panarin, so they signed Anders Lee. Remember, he he was re- he was about to walk. And and they won a free agency. Sorry, they won a free agency, and and they couldn't get Panarin, and they signed Anders Lee. 
kind of yeah that's uh just a fact it's hard okay. to kind of say because like i always kind of see him as like that fabric of that core but yeah i think these contracts now are going to start to add up um and to be honest, like, you know, they've got them to where they need to go with the system. But, like, when I look at it now, like, you know, you have to pay Matt Barzell. But do you give this much money to a core like Anders Lee, Brock Nelson, Josh Bailey? Like, how do you assess these guys, like, moving forward? Like, they're not old, but at the same time, they're not they're making money. Yeah, they're making money, but they're also not at, like, a caliber, I feel, that will, Here. you know, have the longevity. I'll help. I'll help. I'll help them out. There's three players who combine for almost ten million dollars. Leo Komarov, at three million dollars. Casey Zizekas, three point three five million dollars, and Cal Clutterbuck at three and a half million dollars. That's a lot of money. Though I think I personally think those are harder to move. Anton Roussel and Jay Beagle. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, see, the thing is because the Anton Roussel and Jay Beagle deals, I think, are a little bit longer. Sezikis is one more year, and Clutterbuck and Komarov are next year and the year after that. So maybe they're not as hard I to mean, move. I mean, like, I'd like them as character guys, but that money. It's the money. That's the issue. I don't want Leo Komarov at $3 million. That's this like was the guy. issue when he let. This was the issue when he that when he was a free agent in Toronto. And go ahead, walk. Who's paying you three million dollars? I don't know. He had that one All Star game because the Leafs were crap. They were literal trash. It was like I took a dump in a garbage can and lit it oh, on fire. No. That's what it was. That's what that team was. We both know it. You got to agree with me. Maybe it was a little aggressive, but. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 15, 16 Leafs get me, get me upset. It's a different time, different time. I'm st- yeah. they still get me upset, just not not as okay. much. Um, <laughs> do you, let me let me double check Twitter. Do you have anything else to say before we end the episode? I think I'm good. You know, we've talked about everything. I I was surprised at how long we talked about the Islanders. <laughs> I felt bad. I felt bad. They're a team where we always talk about. Oh, you know. You know, it's not interesting. We don't we don't want to talk about it. And then we end up like assessing, okay, like what's kind of working with them in terms of well, their cap and the, the the thing is we talk we start talking about them and then we just move on to a different team without giving them enough attention and I kind of feel bad. Yeah. So is there any Islanders fans listening to this? We are sorry. We'll try to give more attention to them. No, we're not. I'm not yeah. <laughs> I'm not sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, Daniel, you want to end the episode? Yeah. Um to all our listeners and to our hopefully our viewers on our YouTube channel, um, thank you for listening in to this episode of the Two on One Podcast. Uh, you know, if there's anything on your mind, anything you want us to cover, anything that you kind of felt that we could do better, you know, leave a review. let us know. Leave a review. Leave a comment. Uh, leave a comment. Get to us on our social media. Alex, Adam, and I are on Instagram. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. Um, thank you again to Voice Ed for giving us this platform. Um, and as I mentioned before, check us out on Spotify. Check out us on YouTube. Exactly. You can see Alex's great sweater and my great red hat I'm wearing today. Go, Leafs, go. Yes, but until next time, 
to yeah. our listeners and viewers. We love you guys. Yeah. See you on Sunday, guys. <laughs>